ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited for us to start our Sorkin streak today. We have finished the Tom Cruise. We are going to get ready. Alice, are you ready to jump aboard the Sorkin streak? No. No? No, I just want to talk about Barbie. Quick, pull the emergency brake! Just... It's time for an emergency episode of Yes, a Love Watch on Not a Hate Watch as we talk about Barbie, as well as the Missy One Year Podcasting Versary Special here on the Missy Information Superhighway, part of the Girls Have Fire Network. Yes, hello. Those are a lot of updates just thrown in there. How are you doing today? I'm Alice? doing great. How are you doing, Missy? I'm doing fantastic having seen the barbie movie not once but twice twice uh this weekend excellent um once for my own choosing and twice because then other people decided well we want to go too and it's like well okay i guess i'll go again yes um you have now seen the barbie movie how many times alice i've still only seen it twice i keep i keep trying to go and then i have this mental block that is stopping me from seeing it a third time i don't know why i should just go see it like i I love this movie. It is. I was excited for it. I love Greta Gerwig's work. I was kind of skeptical about the fact that it was Barbie and Margot Robbie and stuff, but it's just, it's just so much. It's so good. It's so much better than ninety nine percent of licensed movies. It has a lot of really smart choices, both in the foreground in the material it covers and in the background, and I just, I just love it. I, I think it's, I think it's incredible, and I think I'm really happy to see that. I feel like it's actually having an impact on people like I've been watching TikToks nonstop since it came out almost two weeks ago now and people are still talking about it and how it, how the movie's affected them and I think it it might be like a cultural landmark at some point um and, and I'm really excited about that yes and and listeners of the show might be trying to figure out why we can justify doing a movie that ostensibly both of us liked we're interested in seeing it doesn't qualify for a hate watch anyways but this is the fifth movie in a part of a series that we have done our other emergency episode on before, where we we pump the brakes and have put an episode in the middle of our queue. This this takes place after we've recorded some Sword and Streak episodes, but you haven't heard the first one yet because we said no, 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 no. Studio sixty, you got to hold that countdown clock. You got to kick it up again because we got another week coming in here. This movie is the fifth Matrix movie. Yes, it is. It is a part of our Matrix canon. And the movie tells us that. It tells you you are watching the Matrix film when they, as a ostensible joke, do a you may choose the high heel or the Birkenstock mm -hmm. as your way of choosing reality or the fictional world. And of mm -hmm. course, Barbie keeps wanting to take the fictional world. Yes. And Kay McKinnon, as weird Barbie says, no, that's not how it is. You don't actually get a choice. You, you okay. got to go face reality. Which is which is, which is is the, the point that Bugs brings up in The Matrix Resurrections is that it isn't a choice. You have to do the one. Exactly. And that is why we are covering this as if this is our fifth Matrix film with stereotypical Barbie as our Neo mm -hmm. and what what are the characters in the real world related to it what is there I, I definitely spotted an architect mm -hmm. and I spotted an oracle and I spotted those two forces working intertwined and opposing each other it mm -hmm. was fascinating how that was weaved in there but we'll we'll get into that Alice I want to just give you the floor here please go off sis more on what exactly is about Barbie? And, and if you want to get into the plot or just specific moments, you know, we can get into that here. Mm -hmm. um, but I know that you, I liked this film. You loved this film. Yes. So I want to give you the love fest that it is. Yeah. So um, I think, I think it is, I think it, I think it is beautiful. I think that choosing to make largely entirely practical sets with gigantic matte paintings for the sky, um, all of the effects, the the the, the transition scenes where they're tra traveling from Barbie Land to the real world and back are all done in the style of 1950s movies. They've they actually researched how to do a lot of the effects, like when they're on the boat, um, the waves are moving in the same way they would if the movie was made in the in the 60s and so i think that is really really great and i think it's 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 inspiring and i hope that it inspires a generation of people to you know go back to building practical sets and doing these sorts of things um 
I also think that the movie is very funny. I think that there's there are so many jokes. Um, there's a ton of background jokes. There's a ton of foreground jokes. The there's one point where I guess I I, I we should probably just spoil everything. I think anyone people who who are listening to this probably have seen it. If not, go see the movie. Please go see the Barbie movie. It's excellent. Um, the the joke where. Barbie says that she's not beautiful, and then the narrator says, you know, studio note, if 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 Margot Robbie's not the right person to cast if you want to make this point. That, like, completely took me out. Um, Depression Barbie was, like, Alice found dead in a ditch. Um, it's so funny. Yeah, there was, there were, there were so much, there was so much, like, good stuff, and um, I just, yeah, it, it, it just, it had so much humor laced throughout it that when it got a little more self-important or preachy, it didn't feel out of line because there was a joke coming almost certainly shortly thereafter. I really liked the joke when um, Gloria, American Ferreira, and Sasha, her daughter, uh, Ariana Greenblatt, uh, are, are trying to leave Barbie Land in the car, and then Alan pops up behind them. Um, and then Alan says, if they figure out how to build that fence sideways instead of just up, we're all going to be trapped in here. And that that one that one really gets me. Um, also, apparently, while they were while they were filming that scene, the the sign originally said "men working," and then Michael Sarah suggested that the the sign could change to say "Ken working," which I thought was great. That's really great. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And and so like, how did you find the humor in this movie? I really enjoyed it. I think the writing of the film was the part that I appreciated most. Over, I felt like it really had its satirical thesis down pat. I think it went out of its way to acknowledge how in a post-feminism world, mm -hmm. women are still trapped. And a lot of that is by sort of apathy or depression or, mm -hmm. you know, just feeling weighed down by the system. Because as the movie goes to make a point of, women still have all these responsibilities but not as much of the credit and mm -hmm. are still expected to appear, you know, social media friendly and all of these things. And it's really hard to be real, you know, quote unquote, in yeah. the work life, in mm -hmm. relationships, in yep. friendships, all those sort of things. Yeah. And uh, I knew I was going to like this film. And it was also the line where I knew my husband would at least buy in and not think this film was what he thought it was 100%, mm -hmm. which is when Barbie says in the middle of the dance sequence, by Dua Lipa, it's still my favorite song from in there, hey, y'all ever think about dying? And everything screeches to a halt. And I realize, oh, okay, this is our inciting incident. It's yeah. a true awareness of Barbie. It's not someone pulling her into the real world and she's having to be shattered. She's right. becoming real in the fictional yes. world. And it's like a Pleasantville sort of, uh -huh. she's the first person to sort of have her eyes pulled over. But it's because of that connection to her Gloria. girl that played with her, Gloria, mm -hmm. yes. Which on the first time around, I didn't cry at any of it. I mean, I was very emotionally impacted by it. Yeah. But I didn't actually just cry at it mostly because I was laughing too much, so I wasn't mm -hmm. really in that state. Um, but the second time we watched it, uh, I watched it with an individual uh, who I won't get into details with. Um, they had a mother who has passed, and I knew when this came up, it was, it, you know, there would probably yeah. be a, a, a moment and stuff like that. So when the depression things first came on, and the, it was the revelation of, or excuse me, the revelation of the... Barbie was the mother's Barbie. We had a little hand-holding moment, a daisy chain. My husband held my hand, and then I held uh, uh, this person's hand. And then, of course, in the montage of the end of footage mm -hmm. of real moms and daughters, uh, which I have learned is mostly from the filmmakers. It yep, was the, the footage that crew. they, yep. uh, yes, inserted of it in there. Uh, that was the other Daisy Chain hand-holding moment. Um, and mm -hmm. I cried uh, during the uh, a little bit during both parts of that the second time I watched it. Yeah. Um, and, and also after reading some of more of what it was, you know, emotionally, I had time to reflect on it and, mm -hmm. and allow it to, you know, hit me a little bit more uh, yeah. on there a second time around. It, it jams a lot of ideas that I think... It, it can be very easy if you're if you're like a very online person, if you like were like a Tumblr person in the 2010s, if you are if you've taken you know gender studies classes or understand feminist theory. A lot of this stuff can seem pretty basic to you, but it really does feel like for many people, 
the comedy is the met is the sugar making the medicine go down easier and they've never been exposed to it in this way i think i think the movie's really smart in how it does satire i think it does satire in a way that feels like it is so obvious how ridiculous it is. Like the like when when Barbie Land gets turned into Kendom with the Motodojo yes. Casa Casa houses, um, like that part is so over the top that you don't run into that thing where. I, I I would hope that people are not like guys are not watching this movie and being like, oh yeah, no, that's the best part of the movie. They understand how ridiculous it is because it is so over the top. Oh, exactly, and my husband saw it with me. I I'm trying to think of how to say this. He wasn't super impressed with it, and I think he was sort of down just because I thought the messaging was a little on the nose. And I was like, well, you are a very, as you said, person who has studied these sort of things, so it's very basic for you. But what I was thinking of was the audience we saw, which was full of preteens mm -hmm. and teenage girls, young yeah. adults, young women, who are all came out to see this. And this might be the first example yes. of stringent satire that is played naked gun face level straight up the entire time it mm -hmm. doesn't like really have too many moments where it lets up everyone is playing this very straight even in you know barbie land everything is silly but the barbies are taking everything very serious mm -hmm. you know they they aren't really being goofy all that much everything around them is goofy yeah and so i'm very curious how this is going to introduce a lot of young women to good satire for the first time in good humor so i'm coming from that standpoint too and realizing this is a great way for them to empower themselves but also just to laugh at things that maybe they've never laughed about before yeah and, 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 and it, it, yeah not just not just younger girls. I've seen a lot of TikToks of, of of people our age saying, "I took my mom to see this, and this is the first movie that's ever said these sorts of things to them." And 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 they're now questioning their own experiences because they are older. They came up in the generation where those expectations that Gloria talks about for women are just are just understood and expected, and 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 are, and, are, and they have no reason to challenge them. And so. I, yeah, I, I think that it does that really well. In addition to not just being preachy, it is really funny. It is really beautiful. The costumes are incredible. The music is great. All There's all these aspects of it that are just so well done. In addition to it being, I guess, Feminism 101. And we need Feminism 101 every now and then. We do. We absolutely do. And, like, the, the thing that so many people miss about this is that the message of this is, yeah, burn down the patriarchy very straight up. But it isn't like, oh, replace it with this sort of like terrible, you know, autocratic nightmare matriarchy woman, you know, spider thing. I mean, it's I mean, just it's, like, that sounds great to no, me, but that, yeah. I mean, yeah, right. You know, but that's even where the joke is that, oh, one day Ken will ha Ken's will have enough representation as we've been doing in the real world. Like, again, that's totally the joke at the end with mm -hmm. the equal rights, quote unquote, with Ken. Like that part they even just miss on it where it's just a joke about how things are in reality too mm -hmm. you know the rest restoration of barbies empowered isn't you know something to represent this overthrowing of it uh, this or the, as you said wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing um uh, yeah so i just really enjoyed a lot of the messaging that i'm sure a lot of them feel anyways being very online like gen mm -hmm. z and millennial women feel a lot of these things, but oh, this yeah. might be the first point. Right, and as you pointed out, older women too, who you know grew up thinking that uh, uh, third wave feminism was just bra burning things that didn't apply to them because yes. it's just a bunch of radical women who wanted to go around and mm -hmm. have all the sex that they wanted and no responsibility. And it's like, no, these are women who wanted responsibility and who wanted mm -hmm. power and a right to change things. Um, yeah, yeah. I so yeah, I really enjoyed it. I. Uh, ho I'm glad that it is doing well. So far, it is the fourth highest box offing earner of the year. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna hit a billion. It's gonna hit a billion any day now, and that it 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 will be if it isn't already. It will be the the highest grossing movie directed by a woman, ever, um, and it set the record for the the highest um, weekday. Um, ticket numbers, like box office numbers for Warner Brothers, beating out like The Dark Knight and other things that were their top 
previously. And so it's it's it has it like I think you know it had a forty percent drop off from one weekend to the other. But but like I've been looking at because every day I I say I'm gonna go see Barbie and then I don't go see Barbie. I don't that, that that's something I gotta talk to my therapist about. But every time I look, there's like this is the the theaters are either half or very full still, and it's like two weeks yep. out. Yeah, we had a hard time finding enough for uh, tickets to get four of us in a row, and eventually we found one. But I was clicking every screen time within an hour within a couple different theaters to find anything of it. And eventually, yeah, it just, we had to get the big theater. Like, you know, it was literally the biggest one in this movie space that happened to have them in a row. Like, perfect. Um, But yeah, it was just sold out. And the only rows that weren't were the front two rows. It really was, uh, it's a phenomenon. It's almost like if you make a good film, for women, they mm-hmm. will come out and see it because they want to see things that are made for them. Yeah. Which... So uh, this and the thing, the other thing I think we have to keep in mind is this is a Barbie movie. It is a licensed movie. Yes. It is ostensibly designed to sell toys. Mattel paid 145 million dollars to make this movie, and then God knows how much to market it um, to to get people to buy Barbie toys. And so all of this other stuff that is that is great about it, like even if it didn't have the, the feminism 101 stuff, it was just looked like this and it was just this funny, that would still be a triumph. Um and and, and and it's so remarkable, I think, because when this was announced, I I love Greta Gerwig's movies. I've seen all of them. Um um they're they're my favorites. I think I think Lady Bird's my favorite movie still. Um it got announced that she was working on this, and I said, I literally was like, "Oh no, what the fuck!" But then it was all. But there was also an aspect of like, well, if there's anyone I would want to do this, it would be her. And like, there definitely was an aspect because like after this, she's going to be working on um a two two film series about the Chronicles of Narnia for Netflix, which I could give less of a shit about. I hate Netflix, and I and I don't I don't, I, don't, I have no attachment to that to that story. Sorry, Missy. Um. But I'm excited. I'm but, excited. I'm more excited for that than I am for this. But, and so, and so know, like, I, 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 I was really sad because it's like, oh, she's she's moving into blockbuster land. She wants she she talks about wanting to be a studio filmmaker like a Spielberg and, and do that sort of thing. And I was really sad because it's like I loved her smaller films. I love Frances Ha. I love Lady Bird. I love it when she tells these very intimate stories in, in a small scale. But then I also realized with Barbie's success, like. It's still Greta Gerwig. She's still able to execute yes. at the level that she can, but no one is going to give her 145 million dollars to make a to make a 1950s musical with a dream ballet. Like you have to you have to work with 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 an IP like Barbie. Like like blockbusters blockbusters don't get made just for the sake of being blockbusters. Maybe if you're maybe if you're like Christopher Nolan, but for someone without a track record of that, um like more people are gonna see Barbie than have seen all of her other movies combined. Like, like yes. in the first weekend, absolutely. Like, and 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 now they will hopefully go back and find those other movies, which is great. But also, it it is really like giving her the opportunity to be in front of everyone, and she really hit it out of the park. Yeah, it was able to present her voice in a way where it, the it is an accomplishment of any person to be able to take what are ostensibly cynical processes, licensed IP, mm-hmm. studio filmmaking, yep. big money investors, mm-hmm. blockbusters to appeal to a mass market, and to use every one of those things, and also big A-list acting yeah, so stars, the, you yeah. know, we have to use all of these big names in music, mm-hmm. and in, like, you know, to use all of that to craft the best possible version of all of those things coming together, mm-hmm. which sounds like it was a good mix between Greta and Margot mm-hmm. in terms of running a lot of these things, which yep. I think worked really well. Uh, great, great minds think alike in there. Uh, to get this to be the film that we saw is incredible. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely think this is a one in a million shot that it got right, where mm-hmm. the where Mattel didn't have any objectives. Oh, they had Warner objectives. Brothers but they, had no they, objectives. they had objectives, but they were smart enough to know that the movie was so good, it they they should not protest. Yes, ex- well, they had objections, I'm sure, but they money spoke. They realized that the money that they were being paid was worth more than the objections that they mm-hmm. uh, had in it. Because you're right, everyone has objections, but in terms of like they didn't they didn't kill it. They didn't like say you know well okay well then we're gonna pull our money or whatever you know mm-hmm. you're not allowed to do it anymore. Yeah, um, it's uh, it, it's just one of those things where 
it got the perfect combination to, yeah, as you said, make a billion dollars. And you're right. It, even in the movie, it talks about how Mattel in the end, like they make the joke about how the CEO learns how much money it will make. And he's like, that's a great idea. You know, yeah, yes. uh, um, to the idea like, of ordinary Barbie. Barbie. Yeah, ordinary yes. Barbie. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I kind of do want to talk about... Um, I want. I want to talk about. I want to talk about Ken, and I want to talk about some of the other stuff that I really liked about this movie. But before we get into that, I one thing I will say is that I think a lot of people came into this movie expecting it to be about consumerism, about how we buy Barbies and we buy toys for our children and stuff. And it, it is not. It's not. It's just not that movie. It. It is not interested really in discussing it. It is. It is. Is just like it. It speaks. I think to a reality where. Lots of women buy Barbies, or like lots of parents buy Barbies for their their children, especially their little girls. Um, little girls tend to play with Barbies these ways, and 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 yeah, and so like it doesn't talk about consumerism at all because it is focused more on Barbie's identity and treating her as as a real character in person as compared to this concept that is being sold to us. And I think I think that's I think that's that's fine. I don't think it needs to also comment on consumerism. We know it is funded by Barbie or funded by Mattel. We know we we as as people as moviegoers understand these things. They had a big Mattel logo at the beginning of the film. Yeah, and 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 I actually think that um, one of the things I would change if I if, if if this were me if I were directing this movie and I I had carte blanche to do whatever I wanted one of the things I would do is get put a lot less of the Mattel CEO and the board members. When they go to Barbie Land in the in the in the middle of the movie, and then when they they show up at the ending, I don't think that stuff was needed. I think that stuff is there to. I think that was a smokescreen to convince Mattel that oh hey we're taking shots at you see it's fun and that's why there's so much of that in the movie. I think you could have done with about half of as much Will Ferrell. I, I, I think he's 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 incredible. He's great in this. Like he does everything that is asked of him. I just think there's a little too much of it. Yeah, that's fair. I I thought it was just enough i mean mm-hmm. that there could be less but i think in terms of how much track they need to lay with that character and what he what he symbolically is in there mm-hmm. which is sort of like the architect like figure yeah uh in that he is the one that is controlling the frame the structure mm-hmm. he wants everything to be the way that it is he wants the matrix to stay the same mm-hmm. because this is how it always has been yep. so he has the box he wants that uh, barbie to get in the box mm-hmm. um versus the the other creator which is ruth ruth, ruth uh, handler who, yeah yeah who is the real creator of of barbie um played by real perman doll. excellent excellent performance Yes, amazing. Who acts sort of as an oracle, which is more of she's the one there to mm-hmm. to have Barbie ask questions of herself to figure out what she wants because, mm-hmm. you know, the creator can't even answer those questions for Barbie because she's become something that she never even dreamed she could be when she first. Exactly, yeah. And, and she's really there to give Barbie the permission to go out and move into the real world and become a human because she wants to transcend just being a doll and an idea. And she wants to have her own ideas and and be the creator herself. And, and Ruth is really the one who says you, it's a little bit of like, Oh, you could have done it. It was, the magic was in you the the whole time, but, but she's the one really giving permission and Barbie feels safe getting it from her because she's this mother like figure to her. Yeah. Um, going back, going back to the Matrix comparison, one of the things I've seen a lot, uh, so there's been a lot of just discourse online about Ken, specifically like Ryan Gosling's performance, which is excellent, and and Ken going on this journey where he doesn't even he he's he's doing only doing patriarchy because he thinks he has to, and he doesn't really like it anyway. He just he just likes horses. Um, something I've a complaint I've seen a lot from 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 men is that if the roles were reversed in this movie, women would hate this movie. And I think that's not true because if you think of Ken as being like the token man in a, in a sea of, of, of a movie about women, that's kind of the equivalent. The, the Matrix equivalent is Trinity, I think. Um, I know that I know that Trinity really isn't the antagonist of the Matrix, but I think in terms of just like that place in the lineup and the journey that character goes on, that that it maps really well to Trinity. And Trinity does not get nearly the same character development that that Ken does none of the characters other than I think Neo in the matrix get that maybe, maybe Smith, but, but even that, um, and, and, and so much of the movie is, 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 is in the third act is resolving Ken's problems with himself and addressing that. That's the sort of thing you just don't see in 
other blockbuster movies. Like, like token women characters don't get that. He gets a whole song to himself to emotionally develop that at the and, end. And a dream ballet. The war. He gets yeah. a dream ballet. Is that what that technically is? Uh, the dance sequence with yes. all the snapping and everything is a dream ballet? Okay. Yeah, especially when it goes to like the the like sound stage where they're they're no longer on the beach. That is a dream mm-hmm. ballet, hundred percent. And, and Greta Greta was insistent that the movie had a dream ballet. I would have given it to Barbie if it were me, but you know whatever. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, and and so I think Ken is given a lot of real estate and space in this movie in a way that that if the roles were reversed, women are aren't. I like I I I, I haven't seen most of the Avengers movies, but in the one I've saw the the first Avengers movie that I saw, you know. Um, um, Scarlett Johansson doesn't get that much to do, really. She gets to be sexy in one scene at the beginning, and then she's mostly just she's mostly just sad. Yeah, that's true. That I mean, that's a lot of characters in the MCU just go around being sad all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, XYZ person died in a film that you yeah. weren't there to see, so I'm sad in this film where all of us are together because of it. Um, what did you think of Ken? Uh, I thought he was. I thought Ryan Gosling did it very well. Um, I thought he was funny. I didn't think he was the most interesting of characters. I was annoyed by him because I knew it was because like early on they play that he's doing it pettily. Like the whole reveal where he's like, "Oh, it's uh, boys night every night." You know, you feel mm-hmm. like when I first saw that, I was just like really angry because I'm like, "Yeah, like they've been telling like I just knew this was coming and why he's been doing all of it." And it just goes kind of goes to show like how incels and men who like hate women just do it over the most pettiest of shit. Mm-hmm. And then it just spirals into like full blown misogyny into yep. stuff where they're just like, you know, trying to dominate women over it. And like that spiral was played out and it was played out like within a short span of time for yeah. comedy. But I thought that was interesting how it even played up that part of it, how it was all toxic. Like literally because he didn't reject her on a date, but like because he couldn't spend the night at her house to do I don't know actually what you do when you spend the night at people's houses. Mm-hmm. Um that that was the whole reason for his spiral. But I loved the montage with all of the men that Ken saw and the uh I believe it's the is it Saturday Night Fever parody where it has the two thousand one Space Odyssey remix, or is that supposed to be um Midnight Cowboy. I'm not sure. I knew it's a it's an allusion to some film. I yeah. don't know what it is, but yeah. But choosing I, I, I don't know, male, but yes. choosing male specific like themes and films mm-hmm. in a women uh, referential film, I thought was very interesting too. And to have such overt references to a film that was made by now two uh, trans individuals, The Matrix, like mm-hmm. two women is also such a deliberate choice too as well like yeah and just it just i don't know i really enjoyed it and and ken i thought but i I don't know i just don't think i had that mm, deep thoughts of ken i I didn't think of it on that level i mean that's that's fine by me um yeah yeah, i i would love it if we if we stopped talking about ken and started talking about all the other great stuff the movie does um like like okay so i really like that when they go to the real world, I feel like that is a very sort of cliche thing. Like you expect, oh, Barbie's gonna go to the real world. That that like if you hear about Barbie movie, that's that's something that you're gonna expect to happen. And I think that they really do is something smart, which is they compress all of the oh god, Barbie's in the real world down to like a like a really quick montage of like they get arrested, they 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 mm-hmm. leave, they get different clothes, they get arrested again, and then that's pretty much it. There's no more like there's a little bit of like oh god there's Barbie in the real world but like everyone just kind of accepts it as as a real thing like when she goes to the school to talk to Sasha when when she goes to Mattel like I I was I was reading something this morning it's like how smart it is that when the 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 guy who finds who gets the call about Barbie being in the real world goes up to the boardroom the guys in the boardroom are all like yeah this has happened before just fucking deal with it. Like, I yeah, think that was exactly. really smart because I think the the movie could have gotten really mired down in that stuff and it really en- enabled it to focus more on the, the Barbie's journey of and Ken's journey of self-discovery. Yeah, and it is, and if you compare the suits to being sort of the robots, you know, it is the awareness of someone's escaped from the Matrix. Like, yes, this has happened. Like, this, you know, people have done that before sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I liked that it just, we're not in a discovery world where... Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, it's more about uh, everyone learning this is real. It is just 
quickly in there. And, you know, and the plausible deniability with the the daughter of uh, Gloria, you know, just thinking she's a crazy person at first. Yeah. And then yeah. pretty quickly accepting that when they go to Barbie, let's, the ability to go to Barbie land, which is when people thought this was going to be the Lego movie, where it just turns out the reveal is, oh, people are playing with these toys. And that's sort of the, the parallel. It's like, well, no, it is about them playing with it, but it's the use of it as an emotional impact is so much deeper, I think, too, than the Lego movie gets with that. Even the Lego oh, yeah, movie also 100%. did, you know, impact me on there. Um, but it isn't, it is, that's not the the twist or the reveal. It's like, no, very quickly the reveal is, yeah, no, this is a thing. We accept it. The characters accept it. So now we're just trying to resolve it. And the resolution is to get back things to where we were, but that's not going to fix the fact that Barbie is, is woke now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they, it just gives them so much more like runtime and runway to do stuff with it. I yes. think, I really think getting, getting caught up in that could have been, it could have been a death trap. Um, and allows them to make the jokes about Barbie being a part of culture where it is now you wouldn't be able to get them the that really i think great monologue from gloria's daughter i'm forgetting her name what is that character's uh, name uh, uh sasha oh sasha, so, yes funny funny story about that the four characters so when, when barbie goes to the goes to the school she goes up to sasha's table there are four girls sitting at the table those four girls are the same ethnicity as the four original brat stalls which was the major competitor to barbie that came out in the 2000s um also sasha is the name of the latina brat stall and uh, sasha's mother gloria calls her bunny boo which is the brats sasha's nickname also so that was all a reference that that was all a sneaky reference to real world like Barbie versus Brat stuff that went over my head uh -huh. so hard but that's hilarious it's so good and would sort of make sense in the parallel of oh they might play okay there we go that gets even better um but her monologue takedown like get her Sasha um yeah. to get that in there so we're also able to address Yes, we know where you, the audience, are going to be. If you're going to think at all cynically about this, we're going to get ahead of you and call mm -hmm. it out. So you can't yeah. sit there and go, uh, 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 uh. It's like, no, mm -hmm. now that that's out of the way, watch our fucking film and enjoy yeah. it for what it is. Yeah, I really like that. Um, just being able to get the almost like cinema sins, mm -hmm. you know, checklist out of the way for why this wouldn't work in the real world sort of stuff. Yeah, and, and, and I think that. Like well, they knew that they had that because in the marketing, they the trailer says like, if you love Barbie, this movie is for you. If you hate Barbie, this movie is for you. And you really do get that point of view character with Sasha. Um, it also leads to like one of the best jokes in the movie, maybe my favorite, where Sasha calls her a fascist and she says, "Yeah, I don't control the rail. I don't control the trains or the flow of commerce." Yes, that was great. Another one that uh, joke that I knew my husband would really enjoy. But yeah, yeah, that was so funny. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I want to talk a little bit more about some of the other, like, smart choices I think the movie makes. Um, I think that it the movie doesn't t go deep into um, intersectionality in terms of Barbie land. Like, they don't talk about race or disability or, or queerness or transness. Um, like, they don't foreground that at all, but... In the background, they are they are very like I think they make intersectional choices that are awesome. Like there are Barbies um, of all different races. Um, obviously, Issa Rae plays President Barbie. Um, you have um, Lawyer Barbie, who is plus sized. Um, she's the actress from My Mad Fat Diary in the UK, and so she's she's like a beloved beloved plus size actress. And you have Hari Neff playing Doctor Barbie, and they don't comment on the fact that oh, this Barbie is this Barbie's in a wheelchair. This Barbie's this Barbie is trans this barbie is fat they just it just is like they don't say it and by not by not drawing attention to it i think it's even better than if they were to, to point it out and, to and tokenize it it's it's like i feel like there's this like background radiation in a lot of shows and a lot of movies where it's like well why are the why are the characters all white men right like well, like why couldn't there be like a you know a more diverse cast just in the background even and stuff like that and this movie just does all of that stuff well it makes all of the right cho the choices that I would want a movie to make it does and I'm, I'm really impressed by that yeah the sequence at the very beginning where it's introducing the concept of barbie and it just says these are all barbie this is barbie mm -hmm. this is barbie this is barbie and the women from the beginning are all different types of people that are presenting it you just get that out of the way you don't have to sort of lampshade it at any point you are able just to be like these are barbie and the, you know you barbie you're always been able to see yourself in and mm -hmm. you know they've done that on purpose yeah and i i love that 
people are complaining about that because it means that it's so prevalent in the film that it's not something you can talk about the film and not talk about how inclusive it is and representative it is because it went out of its way to do these things. And again, to get that sort of studio backing to produ produce a women-led film like this where it, it, you are able to get, like, even just for you know screen time smaller roles some of this really like interesting group of women from tv shows that or niches that are culturally more say like Easter ray is very uh, is 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 very uh she's on black is she on black women sketch show or am i thinking of some uh no she she produces she produces black women sketch show and she she, she produces black women sketch show that's yes. what yeah so she produces black women sketch show but not a lot of people maybe necessarily know her name from some other things like that but now she's in a mainstream movie where a lot of white audiences that might think oh she's a black actress for black things are now seeing her in Barbie and are getting exposed to that for the first time it's like really nice that they're able to include this all of these women in these roles where normally they might have more isolated markets and now they're getting like a mainstream starring role like mm -hmm. you know up front center roles in there it's just yeah. really neat yeah and i think i think america ferrera playing gloria as like the sort of every woman is mm -hmm. perfect because her career has largely been ro the role she's most famous for are roles that are challenging conventional beauty standards. She was yep. in her first film was Real Women Have Curves. She was on Ugly Betty for a very long time playing the playing the uh, the quote ugly character. And mm -hmm. so like to have her be there, it just felt like it just felt like oh she is a perfect stand-in for the every woman and 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 we relate to her as that as such and so it, like we buy into it. I actually I also think that by having Margot Robbie play stereotypical Barbie who doesn't have a job just does just 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 kind of exists and I think that is partially why when Barbie Land goes back to normal she doesn't want to stay is that she doesn't have a job her job is not beach her job is not lawyer or doctor she is stereotypical Barbie she is just to, there to be the Barbie that you think of when you think of Barbie yeah that's interesting that she is sort of the uh, what would be the word the uh, cultural like I'm trying to think of the word medium. Like mm -hmm. it's everyone's idea sort of evened out about what Barbie is. Yes. Like in there. And it might be because that was what she once was, and maybe she's never been that. But mm -hmm. it, it just is like our representation of the cultural id for for Barbie on there. Yeah. And I never thought about the fact that's why she has no place in the end. That mm -hmm. is a really interesting uh point about that. I yeah, like and that. I think I think part of the message there that that is implied. This is my, this is my interpretation. I don't, I don't think the movie is directly saying this, but is that in her going to the real world, we can move beyond the need for the default Barbie to be a very thin, beautiful, big-breasted blonde woman. Yeah, that is true. Um, want to we gotta talk about we gotta talk about Weird Barbie. Weird Barbie played by Kate McKinnon. Excellent, excellent. Um, obviously, Kate McKinnon is very gay, but that character very much seemed lampshaded as as the queer character. Like they never they never draw they never explicitly say it, but um, I think both in terms of how she acts and how the other Barbies treat her, I really like that. That every time they talk about her, they say, "Oh, we we call her weird Barbie behind her back and to her face." Like yes. I feel like they're, they're I feel like they're just like very smartly being like, "Yeah, that, yeah, it's calling it behind the back doesn't work because because." Everyone knows. Um, Sorry, we called you weird, Barbie, behind your back and to your face. Yes, and and so she she is very much the Morpheus of this movie. I mean, obviously because she offers the the, the two choices, but mm -hmm. I also think just in terms of being knowledgeable about things and also growing and learning by the end of the movie as well, because um, Morpheus does learn things in the course of the Matrix. Um, and and I, I okay, Barbie's a lesbian. Stereotypical Barbie's a lesbian, right? Oh, I didn't think anything about that. That's you got you give me your thesis because I didn't read that at all. Okay, so she's not interested in Ken. The only the, the only Ken that's really interested in her, she's 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 absolutely firmly not interested. She's not interested at the beginning of the movie, but then she's also not interested at the end of the movie either. Um, after she's seen Ken go through this growth, um, every night is girls' night, and then when she. When she's leaving Barbie Land, she's singing "Closer to Fine" in her car by herself, which is "Closer to Fine" is by the Indigo Girls, a lesbian icon and a lesbian anthem. Um, 
when she the representation of the real world is her wearing Birkenstocks, which again, very gay. Um, yeah, and she just does like she doesn't form attachments to any of the men in the movie. Like she she feels this obligation to treat Ken well because she realizes she was treating him poorly, but she doesn't care for him in the same way that I think she cares for herself and she cares for Gloria and 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 um and Sasha and the other Barbies. I think she's ace because she didn't have genitals in Barbie Land, so she used to say sexual up okay. until the real world, and then maybe she can decide from there. But I have no, I don't, I, I, I didn't think about Barbie fucking. I just didn't. It's not about Barbie. It's not about Barbie fucking. It's, it's about who Barbie loves. Oh, I don't know. She she needs to learn to love herself first. That's kind of the entire point of the of the movie. She doesn't find her love in other people. She's still having to find who she is and what her core is okay yeah um i just i'm not saying you're wrong i I didn't think about it i just look up until that point i didn't i just thought about barbie as being asexual because they go out of their way to say that they don't have genitals how how homophobic missy how homophobic on our show on the barbie episode yeah i know sorry i don't i don't what else do you have to say about barbie i don't i don't have any other specific thoughts on it myself um i i would say i they will they will obviously make another one of these like Mattel made too much money to not i i'm very positive that Greta Gerwig is smart enough not to do another one um i think Margot Robbie's probably also smart enough as well um my hope my dream is that they they have Issa Rae write the next one um and it could be about president barbie and then bring some of the characters back but largely be a different story i think that would be awesome um and i think she would do an incredible job just like Greta Gerwig would did um yeah, I mean that's pretty much it. I, I I love this movie. I can't wait for it to come out on Blu-ray so I can watch it literally a hundred times a day. Be interesting if there's President Barbie and it's about President Barbie having to teach the first woman president about you know make sure that she's empowered or whatever. Wait, uh, yeah, you can take that idea from me um, if you want. Let's see here. Yeah, I I'm curious to see what other properties Mattel is going to try and like replicate the Golden Goose with. I know they're already working on a Polly Pocket film, I believe I've heard. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So I'm curious if they are going to try and if the lesson they learn from this is we'll make it meta and they think that's what it is or if they are going to say, hey, it's let a filmmaker take a take on it mm-hmm. and let it go from there. I did find it interesting that this is a Warner Brothers picture. So mm-hmm. the Matrix illusions that were in it, they don't have to worry about copyright reasons because they own the matrix and so even if that was trying to be more direct of parallels they don't have to worry about you know stomping on anyone's heels in there i don't think that's the reason it's on it but i just found that interesting coincidence that they don't have to worry about those things Mm -hmm. yeah i mean plenty of plenty of other movies and tv shows have made references to the matrix at this point Mm -hmm. but i think it's just fair game because it was such a cultural zeitgeisty thing but you're absolutely right. It is. It is still. It is the same production company. It is Warner Brothers in this case. Because um, I, I remember yeah. there was one shot where you like in the the in the Mattel headquarters, you can see the Warner Brothers uh, name just slightly on top of one of the skyscrapers on there. And I'm like, Warner Brothers asked for that. They wouldn't let that go. They'd be like, Can we put Warner Brothers on the top of that skyscraper there, just nearby, so people also know Mattel and Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, other, other, other minor things I like to note. Um, uh, Gloria's husband was played by America Ferrer's real life husband. That he, they are married was, in real life. Okay, I was trying to figure out who that actor was because I'm like, yeah. that has to be someone who is either. I wasn't sure because I know Greta Gerwig is married to Noah Bombach. Bombach, yes. I wasn't sure if that. I did look at the credit. I kept forgetting to because he was that much of a non-figure. I'm like, is that Noah Bombach? And that's a yeah. joke. But it being America Ferrer's real husband, that's actually yes, very funny and and. A little bit of two of just that cute little synergy they had, or not synergy, on screen chemistry. Blah, yeah. synergy. Um, that, that, the, Mattel's the, infected my brain. The the scene where Barbie's escaping Mattel headquarters and they're ch- ch- chasing her through the office is is a very much a farce. Greta Gerwig loves a farce. Um, her the second movie she wrote with Noah, um, Mistress America, also feels a very extended farce sequence. That's great. Definitely, ch- like I feel like that Mistress America is the movie that everyone sleeps on. Everyone knows Francis Ha and Lady Bird, but Mistress America is excellent. So, so, so go check that out. Um, I like how the scene escaping was timed, like all their movements and stuff were still like a dance beat because it seemed like a very Barbie thing. That yeah, she'd have to be escaping and it'd be like do do like in the music video sort of way. 
Oh yeah, and so every every background act, actor in this movie is a trained dancer because they wanted them to have the precise movements both for the Barbies and the Kens, but then also for the the executives for that sequence as well. Makes sense. Um yeah, and and I just I just, you know, I don't know. Um oh, this I saw a TikTok. This was a TikTok and I thought it was really funny which was basically like um a trans girl said you know, it's not a great part of the movie, but Harry Neff in a maid uniform sitting on a sitting on a man's lap and serving him is the best trans representation we've ever had. <laughs> Beautiful. I get it. I get it. I get it. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, so let's 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 parlay that into um, the rest of the episode that we want what we want to talk about. Um, yeah. You received a package from me. I did. And do you want to talk about what's in, what was inside the package? Yes. Well, the first thing that I was surprised, uh, Alice, was the size of your package. I, it was a, it was a very big, what looked like could have had like cat food or dog food sort of like sized uh, big box that like we would get from Amazon, mm-hmm. and it was full of what I guess we can broadly say is girls have fire related swag merch. Items, some very specific, some uh, more broad, but they have touched on a lot of things that we've done from I Thought You Were Special to Not a Hate Watch um, and one other item, which we'll talk about last. Uh, I'm just going to talk about some of the things that I got sent in here. Uh, The first thing that we can talk about, when vamps, I am part of the Sisterhood of the Traveling Vamps. I have... I was sent five copies. I have four copies left because I've already handed off one copy of the DVD vamps to uh, my best friend Scoots. Uh, This is the Amy Heckerling film. For those of you uh, who aren't aware of vamps, uh, if you aren't, you should watch it or you can message me. I have DVD copies that I can send you. It's great. Um, As well as a poster of vamps for myself as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it. The other day, I sent it to uh, the group chat that we are part of. My husband said, Missy, why are there four copies of Vamps here? And I laughed so hard because I can't explain when Vamps. Like, there's no way of describing it. Yeah. Um, related to when Vamps, I also got a former randoms hat here that just fits, which is very nice and cute, as well as a Fluval sticker. Uh, that's the la- that's my... the last former randoms hat that I had, by the way. That like that um, was the last I, that was the last unopened one. I appreciated it. I really, really love. I'm not a huge hat person, but this is going to be the one of the few hats that my husband is not allowed to steal and own from me. Oh. Um, I got my Shirley shirt from Garbage. I was so happy when I got this. Of course, I thought you were special. Oh, it's beautiful. I've now lost a little bit of weight, so ironically, I asked for an extra large, and now it is a little. Uh, a little loose on me, but of course, that, that oversized oversized is in right now. That's exactly fine. that, like that's pr- it's better than me asking for a smaller size and not being able to fit into it. So I'm not complaining. It just was very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I also received a little bingo from Bluey. I, it, it came in a set with it came in a set with Bluey. Yeah, I kind of thought of the two of us. I think I'm the Bluey and you're the bingo. But that is very true. Yeah. Bingo also happens to be my husband's favorite character, so he uh, he thanked Alice for sending it to 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 us. I think thinking that she, you were thinking of him, I'm like, oh no, I think she was just thinking of me as being well, Bingo. I, I mean, I, I mean, it's it's Bluey related. I was thinking of both of you. Uh, I have a lot of people who have said that is one of their favorite episodes. I'm like, oh, to get a little peek behind the the curtain. <laughs> I have this novel. Um, Kitchen by Banana uh, Yoshimoto. Who... Yeah, that's that's not really related to our podcast. It's just my favorite book. Um, I have this tradition where if I go to a bookstore and I find a copy of it, I buy it because I want to keep it in circulation and and not many places stock it. Um, I also like I also like collecting different used copies from different markets, like different languages and such. And I, and then I just give the extra copies I have to my friends because it's a it's a very short read, but it's beautiful. I love it. It's weirdly trans inclusive in a way for the just remember that it was the 90s in Japan when she wrote it and it's weirdly very trans inclusive so yeah it's great 
Yeah, I was reading on the back of the cover how it's about uh, one of the characters' um, mother, who, and it says in the you know, parentheses, who used to be her father. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, interesting. Um, so yeah, uh, I guess you said not related, but part of the grab bag. Then I think the three items uh, sort of in succession here that are probably the big the big three. I would, well, I include the bluey, uh, the, the bingo as well. We had the official piece of Minions merchandise, a cup from Universal Studios with little Dave, cute Dave, Minion Dave on there, which is in a place of honor. It is our cat cup, which is the cup that our cats drink from because they are obsessed with drinking from our cups that we have to put out a decoy cup for them to drink from. So this is the official cat cup. I know Kim Chi feels her brothers over here in our house in spirit, all these male dumb dominated cat energy just licking from a minion cup and know that they are are one of in spirit in here being surrounded by mama's minion merchandise. Yeah, so so I just want to say like I was looking for something that was minions related that you wouldn't reject immediately and i thought the cup was functional enough that it that it would be safe i I, you realized perfectly how it would because a t-shirt i can choose not to wear that can get put into a drawer but a cup is always in circulation i'll drink from a cup even if it's up but i will say that my husband also as much as he thanked for it he said he's annoyed by the minions cup and i laughed as well because it was perfect (laughs) um the second piece of of merch here which genuinely made me tear up when i realized what it was and i think it's we can't get too much into it because it's from an episode that hasn't aired yet it's from an episode that will be airing the first part of our sorkin streak this is a studio 60 related piece of merch which is also relevant in my own outside of podcasting media watching with thank god i don't have to report on every single fucking thing i watch but i watched for all mankind and this actor is a big part of this series as well um alex loves this frame by the way a framed portrait of nate cordry aka tom jeter in studio 60 who uh has a very special episode of the show which plays very near and dear to my heart yes um it affected me more than i thought it was going to i had some very um i have some parallels between me and tom um that i found interesting and also sort of like stockholm syndrome the more i watched the show the more i was just like nate cordry is he is he hot Am I being? Am I slowly being seduced by? Is it Tom Jeter's energy? Is it? I don't know what it is, but I, I really, really appreciated it. And I, did you just? Have I got myself. This a, around, I got oh myself my a matching Jordan McDear, uh, Amanda Pete. Mine is not signed. Yeah, because I couldn't find oh a signed word. one on eBay. Because oh. I, I identify with Jordan McDear, and you identify with Tom Jeter, and so I think yes. we could have our matching characters. I. It's beautiful. Yeah, and the frames are are matching. It's perfect. Was this something you found online? Did you just have yes. this? Like I. Okay. No, I found it on eBay. Okay. I, I, I thought we had mentioned something about something signed earlier in a different episode, so my brain was like trying to remember. But yes, I appreciate the effort. And this is he looks so young in this compared to now when I'm watching him on For All Mankind. But also, there's a great thing where they age him up to be like a 50s closeted Republican in the 90s. And he's like balding and it has like the perfect ring of hair around it and i'm like oh they made him unsexy and yet still i would i would date that republican alternate universe republican closeted former nasa worker oh spoiler alert if you haven't seen for all mankind but like that's his whole so much of his plot line is is that fact of it so has lesbian astronauts alice I know. Oh it's my on my, God. I, I spent I spent a day watching Silo. I don't know why I watched Silo, but I watched Silo, and it's it's fine. It's okay. I just I just in hindsight, I'm just like, why did I watch Silo? Oh my! But uh, the, as much as that was the the apex for me emotionally, there's one item which is so relevant, so absolutely present and prescient it arrived just in time this is 
a boxed pink label Edward from Twilight Barbie doll, an official licensed Barbie collector doll on this, the day of my twogist. On August 1st, today we are recording and releasing this episode. This is one that we're going to be putting out today as the beginning of Twagist. One year ago, Alice, one year ago, you sent a, a, a message, a public message. Uh, a, a little bird spoke to me on an, on an app and a website we do not talk about at this current moment. That's how much it's been a year ago. That's when we were on that app and now we're not anymore. And you basically said, why don't you watch Twilight one day at a time? And I said, well, next month is August, which you know what that means. It is Twagist. And thus, the podcasting monster that you see before you uh, emerged from, from the ocean, screeching and going, ah, listen to me. Um, so the, that feels like one of the most appropriate gifts of all. To be uh, have to have Barbie Ed next to me, Barbie Bopa, to to do our Twagist new twoon uh, series. That yeah, first episode is going to be out tonight. I have done no, again no research in the last year. This is all coming in cold turkey. Um, any advice for me? Any words of wisdom as I go on my Twagist journey? Hmm. Um. New Moon is my favorite of the movies, but it's also it's also not great. Um, okay. You're going to be really annoyed by it, but I promise that the last, like, 20 minutes are great. Oh, okay. So it'll be worth it for the end of the month. It's going to be a, it'll be a treasure. It'll be like me going on my bike ride halfway across Iowa. It'll be worth it in the end because I'll be home. Uh, and the last part will be wild. Okay. Also, also um, I think you were more Team Jacob than Team Edward, if I remember correctly, from last I year. I was. There's a lot of Team Jacob in this movie. It's mostly a Team Jacob movie. Um, also, uh, Vampire Alice, not me, um, Alice Cullen from the movie, mm-hmm. is gets an incredible outfit. Incredible outfit. Ooh, I'll keep an eye out for it. I have, And when this year, I have decided to, since it is a new twoon, I'm going to have my independence, and we're not going to be hashtag Team Edward or Team Jacob anymore. I'm hashtag Team Missy. Because I need to get through this. So I, if you are out there and you want to talk about this, any any place that you are using services, whether it has the hashtag or not, you can just hashtag Team Missy in support of me on my Twagus journey uh, this entire month. I'm 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 actually honestly really excited to revisit it um, because we're in that point where just like Twilight, I don't know what happens. I really don't know what's going to be going on in this film and so giving the slow reveal slow burn it's a fun but psychotic way of doing it you know mm-hmm. and it'll be good um and i um i'm hoping to have a uh a, a star-studded finale episode uh that we'll be able to record uh, uh live uh, at the end of this that we'll be we'll be doing but we'll get to that when we get to it because i gotta get through day one first this is day yep. zero right now technically mm-hmm. The countdown continues. I, I Just like last year, I'm going to record these at the last possible moment at night when my brain is the most tired and fuzzy. That's when you get the most beautiful straight cut Missy, like no filter. It's just my own true, real, raw opinion. So yeah, I'm very excited. And thank you again, Alice, for challenging me on that. I, I knew you had no way of knowing that one, I would actually do it. And yeah. two, that it would lead to uh, this beautiful friendship that has mm-hmm. has progressed into um into a fun way for me to challenge myself in watching things that usually i wouldn't watch and finding a lot of new loves some lows you know some low lows but i think a lot of good high highs uh you want to talk about low lows morning show comes back september 16th and it got renewed for season four yep oh I can't wait for those updates. You might have to make me watch a few episodes oh, of no. season two and three just to oh, you know, oh, the yeah, highlights okay, of okay, it. Okay, okay. Yeah. Oh. That might be, we might have morning show renewed <laughs> as, as an episode out there. Alice, any other updates uh, from previous content that we have to talk about? Um, I've thought a lot about 
your endless looks since we since we watched it, and I think um, the influence that that movie has had on other movies like it, I think, is really is really fascinating. Um, and and I'm genuinely curious to, to watch Savage Beast, which we have not watched yet. That's the next one we're, we're recording next because. I have no idea what that movie is, but um, seeing how Aaron Sorkin's writing style evolves further, I'm really curious to see. Yeah, yeah, I I am as well. Um, it's a, a little peek to what's coming ahead on the on the Sorkin streak. I I oh, you should you should beep it out when I say that. <laughs> oh, I will. Okay, that's a good idea. I will beep those out. Um, uh, when you say the two the two things on there, yeah, I've been um thinking about. I've been thinking a lot about how honestly much just it is it is interesting to me how this one year anniversary eventually at the end of the month becomes inextricably tied with my trans journey as here I am recording an episode in my Barbie dress the dress that I got this weekend and was wearing during the second viewing of Barbie on it so for me um I just have been thinking lately uh, with the Barbie movie about how awesome it is that I just spent this last week taking a break from editing and recording and going out and being with real people and I was able to go to some venues um, wearing, you know, just outfits that uh, I really felt comfortable being in that I wouldn't have been uh, one year ago from now. So I know it's not really necessarily podcast or episode or update related, but it was just something kind of fun top of mind that I've just been been thinking about and uh and again all of this this has has been come tied up into that so yeah it's it's just been fun so yeah happy happy anniversary when i when i when i put the gift together i didn't realize it, it, it was timely but no um, I, didn't, but yeah. I didn't literally i didn't think about it until we were getting set up to record this and i was like oh yeah twakis was the very first thing that i did and it was mm-hmm. you know at the end of that on there so um, I may, as a bonus, if I can find it, um, release. I think I might still have saved in the archives uh, a the conversation that we had shortly after we recorded. Because I think I was oh. still just. I think I just was happened to be recording it. Maybe I hadn't stopped it. So I'll see if we if we have that. Um, and so you can hear the moment of my egg cracking as they say in the community. <gasps> but I don't want to promise it because again, I don't. I don't know if it still exists. It's out there. But I think I think I still had that because I was like, uh, I'm gonna have to re-listen to this one day, and it's been one year. So maybe it's the time for that. So next week, our listeners are going to get to hear the start of the Sorkin streak. Yes, they're going to hear the start of Studio 60. Oh, I, I, it has that. Actually, I've thought a lot about that more, I think, than any of the other Sorkin stuff we've had. Just little moments that pop up into it. When I also see in my laundry a special gift that uh, I'm not going to spoil because you'll see the reveal of that within. Well, you'll hear the reveal of that auditorially. Uh, within there, the special shirt that I was given um, by Alice. If you've seen the show, you might have an idea of what it is. Um, but yeah, I, 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 this it's good. It's so good we split it into two parts. That's how good our series on Studio 60 is. But yeah, that is the next piece of content that you'll hear um, coming up from us. You'll know that we have two, at least two more Sorkin bleeped out things uh, that you will be hearing coming up as well. Alice, any other thoughts? I mean, as we always say to end the show, Daddy's got to go to work. Podcasts are male extenders. Daddy's got to go to work. Yes, Missy is a drag persona. Yes. Oh. Um. I... Okay, this is really funny, because I actually went through, I, I wouldn't call it a trans crisis, because that's not the right word, but I, when I first started doing drag, I did have a lot of emotions and feelings of looking at myself, and basically trying to feel like, why am I, why do I like this and look comfortable in it, because so, I actually don't do a lot of makeup, like, I don't do makeup for myself normally, I you know male presenting overall um but my experiences um i mean i'm a basic bitch and huge into drag race i mean I, i'm not one of those liars who says oh i did drag race. i'm like no i got into drag because i started watching drag race and realized oh th- this 
this stuff that I've been feeling like I can express and need this thing to express, I'm fine with it. And <sighs> Missy for me is a way of where I was not able to strip myself of the expectations that I had of being Michael, but that was a lot of from just friends, family, connections, theater stuff, all these things that I built along the way. And Missy was just, an... I had been looking for a way just to express myself for a long time. Not necessarily in character, but I always would be like, what I have found is interesting. And the part that I explore and think about is how narratively I take so much uh, from my mom's side and from the women in my life that I have a very female sounding voice in my head. But it doesn't, I it doesn't sound like to me um it's more of like a thought process than it is of like an actual voice or something do you know what I mean but that being said I've always I I, I have thought and learning about this actually I mean, the reason I said Jagger's earlier is that I learned that Willow Pill um is on like a low level of hormones like just a very low level not like obviously like full transition level stuff and I've always wondered if just some of the I have OCD and I have ADD and I just have body stuff that is just weird. It does feel like uncomfortableness in my body and I've always wondered is maybe that's something that would help. Um, knowing that you can go to Planned Parent... No, I see, knowing you can go to Planned Parenthood um, is very good to know because I actually might have some conversations with them. 